Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. This is the Paradigm Shift on Community Radio 4 Z. We have a very interesting show for you today. It's been spurred on by a visit I made to a, a, an architectural exhibit at the University of Queensland campus. You might recall that on the Paradigm Shift previously we had covered the proposed demolition of the University of Queensland Student Union buildings, the whole complex, including the iconic uh, Stephen Trotter administration building, of course the Chanel Theatre, they were just going to wipe the slate clean. And uh, it sort of takes us back in a way to the way things have gone in Brisbane before. We have those famous Dean brothers, the demolition experts, who used to leave a sign whenever they demolished some iconic heritage building, they would just leave a sign, all we leave behind are the memories. And so in the 70s and 80s, people might recall that the Queensland government demolished over 60 heritage buildings. By opposing Aboriginal land rights, the government failed to recognise prior ownership and prior occupancy of Mianjin, that's Brisbane. One third of Bogger Road Jail was destroyed. Now it's an exhibition space, but then it was a, a proper jail and it was destroyed by fire because of the inhuman beatings and poor conditions inside that was condoned by the government. Furthermore, state-approved vandalism resulted in the destruction of buildings like the Bellevue Hotel, Cloudland. Also, they demolished a whole lot of West End because of Expo 88. Now, in 2018, the University of Queensland Master Plan recommended the wholesale demolition of the University of Queensland Union complex. Now, these buildings are to be replaced, or the proposal was, that they be replaced by something akin to a shopping mall. These facilities were once run by the student union. They had become a kind of a common for students, staff and visitors to the university, a place of social and political activity. In response to the demolition proposal, a group called Save the UQ Union Complex applied for the buildings and the forum area to be heritage listed. This was knocked back on the spurious basis that the structures had been altered and hence they had lost their heritage value. Enter postgraduate students Adele, Tom and Ali and they are offering their alternative to this wholesale demolition. A vision for the University of Queensland Student Complex which 
involves social alternatives and a change in the way we think about space and that they've even suggested things like having a co-op, free lunch days and op shops and stuff like that. So their postgraduate class has just finished their summer school and we've got a special guest here with us today. Ali, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, and in this um, fantastic opportunity for me to just raise the voice and talk a bit more about the our concern. Yep. My name is Ali Rod Yusufnia, and uh, I'm a PhD student at the University of Queensland, and I'm a casual academic. And I was running the Architecture Research Heritage course, uh, and the theme for the course was UQ Union Complex represented and we went through the history and we were just unpacking the archives and the old materials that we have as tangible and also intangible heritage of the UQ Union Complex to in some ways challenge the things that um, uh, registration office said that uh, the University of Queensland UQ Union Complex actually doesn't have any um, traces of its originality but we don't even know where it came from. yeah it's these all these informations can be find uh, can be found uh, from the Jeffrey Rickard's work that he was the uh, pioneering uh, figure for uh, putting the whole campaign but unfortunately it failed. Yes, Jeff Ricketts is a historian and is employed at the university at the, in the Friar Library and um, he's done a lot of work trying to save these buildings. Yeah, so I see this work as an extension of that campaign, not only in terms of just talking about the uh, intangible heritage but also digging the architectural side of the building and say that Trotter has a legacy over here and we can actually challenge the result of the registration office. What do you mean by intangible heritage? Yeah, good question. Uh, if we refer to Bura Charter that actually made in Australia uh, for the UNESCO and ECOMOS. Uh, what is that? You what does that mean, UNESCO? Organization uh, under the uh, United Nations that's looking for the cultural and uh, uh, social aspects of the societies and the places. In Bura Charter, it's talking about not only the building can be considered as a tangible and physical uh, artifact, also intangible sites like the history and the socio-political things happening in that specific point can be considered as heritage. So it's one of the uh, latest and the most updated uh, charters of the uh, ICOMOS and also UNESCO for figuring out if a building can be uh, registered as a site. So, oh, so yeah. if we applied for it to be heritage listed here mm -hmm. and it was knocked back, we could go to UNESCO and... I'm not very familiar <laughs> with the processes <laughs> okay. because I'm more under research, <laughs> but I'm sure Just we like, can... You know, we think it yeah. is got heritage value and yeah. uh, a group of people on the Heritage Council think otherwise. Yeah, uh, but because it's exactly the point that we can refer to Jeff about their session and how it happened, that... There was a very biased and there was an authoritarian way of uh, approaching to the registration office. And I would just leave uh, these comments for Jeff uh, maybe soon that he can talk about all this uh, material. Yes. Well, we have had him on the show yeah. when the original proposal came forward. And basically he said really what they're putting forward is a shopping mall in, in, instead of the 
a Chanel theatre, mm -hmm. a, a, a forum area, a uniquely designed administration building, mm -hmm. and, and all the surrounds. Uh, yeah, and their excuse about saying that it doesn't have any originality goes back to their all step-by-step -step changing the place. So actually, who, who did this? So if it's not uh, original at all, of course, people did not get into and start to just uh, change the place by, by themselves. All this refurbishment, all these uh, topographical changes and everything happening in that area uh, was the result of uh, construction work happened inside the university. So maybe it's a good opportunity to say that, okay, maybe we can start to uh, preservation uh, project by uh, taking the building to its uh, original um, look. Yes, you were the, the convener of uh, a course over the summer yep. and we're going to go to an interview that I conducted earlier this week with some of your students and you were there as well. Yep. Uh, we'll let them introduce themselves and we'll come back and discuss some of the issues afterwards. Yep. Could I just get you to introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Adele. I'm nearing the end of my Masters in Architecture. The subject is a heritage subject and the building that we were doing is the UQ Union Complex. Kind of turned into a bit of a political subject, I suppose, because um, there was so much political history tied up in um, the history of the Union Complex. Could you please introduce yourself? Okay, my name is Thomas. I'm going to my fifth year of architecture at UQ. So, yeah, my last year of Masters. So, does that lead you straight into the profession? Or what, <laughs> what happens? Yeah, yeah. I'll be starting work after that, I guess. But then you have to have two years of experience and then you can sit your exams and get registered eventually. What's your preferred area of architecture? Oh. That's a, that's a very difficult question. Building I, skyscrapers, maybe? <laughs> no, I, d I think I don't, I don't really want to specialise, I think. I want to stay general for the time being. Yeah, and could you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Ali Raud Yusufnia. I'm doing my PhD at UQ School of Architecture. And I was enrolled in the uh, uh, summer school 2020-2021. And I was coordinating uh, uh, architecture research um, heritage course for the summer semester. So what was the idea that you had when you started this project of looking at the University of Queensland Union Complex? Again going back to the first days that I arrived and mates just get together to have some pizza and some have some introduction of the buildings and surrounding at UQ and I have a very uh, good colleague and friend, Lloyd Jones, over here, uh, who actually had lots of work about writing and trying to create the social awareness about the um, heritage and also modern architecture in Queensland. And when we sat in Pizza Cafe, first thing he said was that, yeah, unfortunately they're going to demolish this building. And from my background that I'm coming, it's more brutal and it's more authoritarian in the place that I lived, uh, two different countries. And you can see that uh, municipality or the mayor or the government can just kick inside the campus with SWAT team and everybody trying to get as much as the land that they can do. And it actually happened twice. And they built uh, two huge roads uh, cutting through the whole um, campus 
at uh, Middle East Technical University. And once it happened in 2014, and the other happened in 2018. Uh, Is that in Tehran? No, oh, it, no, it's in Ankara. Ankara. Okay. It's in Ankara, uh, Turkey, yeah. where I did my master's. So when I uh, came over here, I realized I, I had that sense that something is not right. And it just uh, uh, took me to the, this point that I came up with the course and with the idea of that doing the UQ Union Complex um, building as the subject of the course and try to understand and try to dig into history and go and unpack the archives to see what actually happened in this yeah. area. Yeah. Adele, I'm going to ask you a really a difficult question now. What is a university? A business. It's a very bad business. <laughs> what should it be? It was really fun to hear all the stories about, about what it used to be and um, I really like this um, concept of it being a place for the discussion of ideas. I love the quote from Anne where she says it was a really difficult time and a really challenging time because you were always challenged and your ideas were challenged and even though that's not comfortable I think it's quite progressive. Um, that would be And when you're saying Anne there you mean Anne Richards who is now a published author and she was a a student here at the university during very tumultuous times during the, the period of the Vietnam War when she was actively involved in, against our commitment to the war in Vietnam. What, what do you think of the buildings as they exist now what, and their relevance to people here? And Well, in the case of the Union building, it's not relevant to people, it's, it's relevant to commerce. Um, there's, you know, chain um, food stores in there. And it's the same stores at the other eating part of the university. And it's the same stores that you see in every um, shopping centre around Brisbane and Australia. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of an issue with market quality in Australia in quite a few different um, areas. You've just showed me a video of, um, of this place, a, a sort of a, a landscape of what it was and what it became and I think at the end of the video I saw an image of what the current proposal is for it to be. Do you see that as going in the right direction? Like these big uh, shopping mall kind of buildings at the where the, the old buildings are now? No. <laughs> Does that reflect anything about the university? Yeah, I mean, it reflects its fundamental um, structure, that it, it needs to be um, a business and run as like a commercial entity. I think it also reflects something, um, sort of a, a larger problem that's happening in Australia as well. And it's interesting that you mentioned like SWAT team comes in um, over in Turkey and then they destroy the buildings. I feel like a lot of the problems in Australia are they they're really subtle it's like business comes in and tears down the building in the middle of the night <laughs> like that's happened in a few different places in australia and then it's kind of buried forgotten perhaps um, not documented that well and then not archived that well and then we just kind of go shush go away and it, like it's it's sort of fundamental in the psyche of australia because it started with um coming and taking land from Indigenous Australians. I think that like, this is sort of the, the pretense of the country was built in and we still have the same problem today. Things just get swept under the carpet. No, this is what we're doing and silence and that's it. So. I, 
think it too that it's a difference maybe between Turkey and Australia is that when you have kind of you know when the SWAT teams come in that kind of can radicalize people to act against it you know you it gives more opportunity for for protest for the confrontation and the conversation whereas in Australia these things tend to be kind of yeah exactly swept under the carpet or yet yeah, rationalized there's rationalized. regulations and all this red tape basically that goes with yeah. you know getting something heritage listed and they're like oh you know there's been alterations the original fabric isn't intact so we, oh we can't we want to heritage list it everyone wants to but we just can't kind of thing and then there's no there's no show force and there's no yep. confrontation and conversation and that's why half of the semester we were trying to read Foucault and trying to understand what is actually Foucaultian way of looking to oppression and government and police and everybody who is involved in the control mechanisms because when we look at the state apparatuses we see that they can come and challenge everything very easily and they can say that you know it's not functioning anymore we have to change this yeah it's it's it has uh, this type of category of this which is more of a bureaucratic society of the Barian way looking to things that they can rationalize everything and categorize everything in terms of saying that it's not working and it's the easiest thing to say it's not working to demolish it but when we look at the Foucaultian way exactly like um, uh, Tom mentioned when there is a very naked and a very brutal way of violence there is an uprise in front of it but when everything is very well organized and very well defined then we see that alienation of people from their built environment which actually happened because I had the question uh, of the what do you think about coming in 30 years later and not seeing the building over here and I had one uh, student uh, saying that I wish I don't care Zalman Quinn building is a very good building or not but it shows that how people and it's not his fault it's not that person's fault at all it shows how system worked so well that it alienated the people and first one of the first things that I said to everybody in the classes please when you're going from home uh, sorry when you're going from the campus to uh, your home don't put your headphones in your ears try to listen because sound is one of the most important things that creates our uh, collective memory and uh, gives us the opportunity to discover our surrounding. So Zelman Cowan building is where we are now. It's the School of Architecture and of course Zelman Cowan was a former Vice Chancellor of the University of Queensland and went on to become the Governor General appointed by a Liberal government in the 1970s. Zelman Cowan was famously opposed to the radicalization of the university and he often would have interactions with head of police, Whitrod. They would try to work out subtle ways of curbing the protests because the students not only took over the student union complex but they took over the Great Court, particularly during a period of protesting against apartheid and there was a, a, a massive strike here at the university where 3,000 staff and students voted to strike because there was a visiting South African team had come here. 
That's uh, Ali and students Tom and Adele talking about at the just near the exhibit at the University of Queensland Architecture School. Now we're just going to delve back into our archives of Four Triple Z, which thankfully for Thomas he gave us these archives, um, and we we'll just go back to um, the bringing down of the Bellevue Hotel. And people may not be able to follow the audio too much, so. In the, in the audio, you'll hear a Liberal member, Terry Geiger, um, and um, there's a reference to another Liberal member, Rosemary Kyberts, who both resigned when the government demolished the, the Bellevue Hotel. And then later on, you're going to hear a fellow a radio announcer, Rain Watt Roberts, who was arrested um, for indecent language when he tried to stop one of the trucks that were going in by the Dean brothers demolishing that building. So let's just go to that archival uh, clip now. I was, I was manhandled away from the area by a policeman. He just about had my throat, caught up over my throat. I've just been ignored entirely by several senior policemen. I've been ignored entirely by the, the officer in charge of the works department. And I believe that this contractor hasn't got a this permit under the state law that says Liberal before he ca staff. starts to carry out that work and yet he's about to start carrying out the work. The police have refused to do anything about it. The fellow on the gate from the works department has refused to do anything about it, and I'm absolutely disgusted. Just a few moments ago, you were literally run down by a truck as it came out the gates. Oh, the, the senior police officer was even closer than I was, and he wouldn't do anything about it, so I doubt if I can do anything. Well, Mr. Akers, Mrs. Kyber has told me a moment ago that she would expect at this time that her resignation will be on the table by Monday morning. Mine. Uh, what's your position and do you expect that, do you expect that any other Liberal members will follow? I will be resigning from the Liberal Party. I won't give up entirely. I will stay in Parliament. But un unless the, the leader of our party does something about this before morning, I intend to resign from the Liberal Party. You intend when? to resign or when? you will resign? I, I will resign from the Liberal Party in the morning. When will you do that? I will sit on the crossbench as an independent. So you are definitely going to resign? If, 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 that, is, if that work is carried out tonight and, our, and the Liberal leader has not done anything about it. The year is only 79 and we're about to hear radio announcer being arrested. Would you release my arm, thank you? You are causing pain to my wrist. I will come with you if you release my wrist. Release my wrist, I will come with you. I will come with you. Leave my wrist alone. I will come with you peacefully. Leave me alone. Come along, please. In decent language, they tell me. Because I told the gentleman in the truck that he was as weak as the proverbial. And that was in decent language. I heard many words worse than that. The people weren't arrested, but because I represent a number of people and a large majority of the people of this town, I have been arrested. Leave my wrist alone, I will come with you peacefully. Now we have the sound of the building being brought down.
Uh, there we have it. Scenes outside the Bellevue Hotel, which was just across the road from the old Parliament House. There's a couple of questions come to mind, Ali. Uh, you come from a country where you have that level of uh, police interventions. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the story about resigning just remind, reminded me the thing happened in again uh, in Turkey that I was talking about uh, in the interview. So there are two major roads completely cut through the campus site of Middle East Technical University in Ankara, which was the stronghold of the left in Turkey. And actually the uh, mayor who controlled the uh, Ankara municipality for like 25 plus years started to do all these things and two interventions of the campus uh, area uh, happened in uh, 2014 and 2018 and it was just I cannot find any words that how all these things can be this much similar that he removed from the office after doing all of this so it's like having some uh, politicians just burning and fading in this process but the whole government and the whole system is doing their own thing so uh, it's not a coincidence that the same story is happening and maybe uh, knock on the wood if any of these buildings again demolished there will be someone resigning and we will start from the you know scratch and say okay everything is fine because the person who is responsible resigned so i think we shouldn't just give up in that point and go a bit further and just the reason i mentioned about foucault was that um, all these brutality and all these sounds are uh, methodologies and tools for studying the memory in my mind because I got this from Alfonso Cuaron the famous Mexican director and he was saying that the memory was the tool for making the movie Roma and it was the first task for the students to watch it and understand how they can start to interpret about all these things and thanks for um, uh, Tom's work it was a brilliant work and uh, he went through all the archives and try to find out um, all these uh, specific moments broadcasted in uh, for triple z and i'm sure you saw the other files as now, well you mentioned there fellini fellini's roma the the film is that right uh, is alfonso Cuarón's roma Cuaro, oh, a different roma yeah this okay. is a different roma and <laughs> over there he was saying that sound is one of the main things because it's a movie about his childhood and he's trying to go back to memory and see that what are the sounds coming from his childhood to rebuild his um, uh, childhood years in that district in New Mexico. Yeah. Okay, so it's starting to make sense to me what you're saying now. I, during the week I didn't quite get it, but thinking about it, you're, you're a PhD student in architecture you're interested in heritage and what that means and so you have drawn upon the theories of Foucault mm. um, and it sort of makes sense that that be in architecture because architecture is a social science isn't it it's it, it's very tricky it's, it, yeah, well, <laughs> because it falls every side it, if you yeah, want every side yeah that's right but and um, we cannot uh, just uh, skip the socio-political aspects of architecture and its importance yeah. because if I want to quote from I'm not 
exactly sure if it's 100% quotation, but Aldo Rossi says that the history of architecture is the history of the ruling class. So whenever there is a building, there is an authority building it. And I would like to give another reference to Peggy Dimmer, uh, who is actually writing about architecture and capitalism and uh, the position of architect as the labor uh, in all the firms and uh, associations. And he starts with the sentence about saying that architecture is money, money is architecture. It has a very direct um, uh, relationship together. So when we want to look for emancipatory ways of how we can deal with architecture, it's a bit challenging. But I think we are having so much fun with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I understand when you say that, it's a ruling class thing. But there are certain buildings like the Cloudland Ballroom, which became a popular working class venue where in the old days people would go there to dance. Uh, 4ZZZ would have joint efforts there. We'd have big gigs with bands from all over. Um, we even, we, just about every Brisbane schoolgirl or schoolboy did their final exams in that ballroom. I can remember going there, they had their desks lined up and there were like a thousand of us doing our final exams to get through secondary school oh. and um, even in, in the earlier on as well. So the building had a lot of meaning to a lot of people and it had different meanings. So even though maybe it was built by wealth, it was still popular. Yep, yep, definitely. Anyway, there's some interesting points that Adele is about to make about the university because we are talking about buildings in the university and University of Queensland is one of the seven or eight Greystone universities, so it's supposed to be the elite and they want to demolish buildings that were built in the 60s and 70s. So let's go back to that, um, that uh, discussion that we had at the exhibition during the week. The main um, uh, Simon uh, piece was actually writing an essay and this is 50% of the workload of the students as you just visited today which is coming up with a final product which uh, tried to boost critical thinking and creative representational tools of the students to come up with new ideas that how we can think about our past in present for the future people. Uh, Foucault, uh, it would be someone you would expect to be in a political science uh, course in the 1970s, 70s. but not in 2020 architecture. Yeah. <laughs> how do you manage to get Foucault? But how, how does that get into an architecture course? Yeah, if you check out the order of things, first chapter is about Las Meninas. And it's about talking about how we can look at a painting in a very different way. I know many uh, art historians and art critics completely smashed his views, but there are very useful and valuable information and knowledge over there that how we can look things differently. And the main thing and the main theme of this course was about looking to the same place that we passed through maybe hundreds of times differently. And as I was mentioning, the final product of the um, uh, final assignment is the things that you saw today in the exhibition. Uh, and the second part is actually writing an essay. So it's not only having a very usual narrative, but also again looking to the 
all history and all sociopolitical and sociocultural themes in architecture in more of in a critical way rather than having a, a shallow description of the things. Mm. The main architect of the University of Queensland Union student complex was Stephen Trotter. Uh, he toured the world looking for ways in which to depict or to have design buildings that suited the climate and the, the topography of this university. It's interesting that he built it on the site of what used to be an army barracks that the University of Queensland Regiment used to have their army barracks there and um, they managed to put up what, what I think is sort of like Grecian columns, the old refectory, you know, the original bare design is, it doesn't look like that anymore, they've, they've changed it, but he, he was, um, you know, he was a thinking architect, this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice coincidence because today I visited uh, Fulton Trotter Architects and I had a very good uh, and fruitful discussion with Mark and Paul, um, uh, Stefan's son. Yeah. And uh, actually I saw all the letters that they were writing uh, from their travel, uh, Stefan and uh, uh, his wife, and all his sketches and how he was looking to the all surrounding and all um, environment starting from Southeast Asia, going to Middle East, also Indian subcontinent, visiting Turkey, going to Europe and visiting South America and also uh, northern parts in the American, uh, uh, American continent and also Pacific and Polynesian areas. So he, he his work is phenomenal and I think it's it's a very exceptional um, design strategy that he employed and I'm sure when some people in the registration um, uh, process said we couldn't find any valuable uh, pieces of the architectural artifacts I think they might come and have a look again to mm. see how all these uh, design strategies and policies came from a very rich study rather than putting a shopping mall sort of building for these buildings. Of course, um, we're talking about an era of change and um, the university loves to pick up on that slogan that they are at the forefront of change, although you could criticise them for perhaps not really doing that, they're borrowing that term from another um, more radical idea. Mm -hmm. But Thomas, I wanted to ask you, I believe you're a representative on the Union Council? I'm not on the Union Council, I'm just uh, the, I'm a member of the Bruce um, group, which is the, it's the student like club for architects basically. What, one of the ways in which you can negotiate change is that the, the people who are the stakeholders, for want of a better word, you know, they are the students and they're represented by the uh, the students' union, but do you think that maybe this de you know wholesale de demolition that has been proposed will bring people to maybe wanting something different and doing something about it? Um, I think that there's p potential for that, but I think the the kind of the union's opinion is that you know maybe. Like, if, if it goes, we just, we want something better, basically. 
like I think they're they're not so concerned with the with the history and even the his, like their own history of the union, um, which I think is it's it's kind of fair enough from their point of view. But it's the it's a little bit sad that they can't you know like we can learn from history and we can um, create a culture that's and you know it was a culture about about change and change for the better that is attached to the to the building the students really do own the space it's like a student common yeah borrowing that British concept of the common yep. and then it should really you know one would think the architect the architecture should reflect what their needs are and what's the alternative to that shopping mall kind of concept that they've got yep. now <laughs> actually I've given that some thought yeah obviously when we're doing all of this research that, that you have to answer the question well what's better um, so this would be how I'd program it um, a co-op food shop so that it's got like wholesale stuff that's affordable um, an op shop or some kind of clothes swap kind of place um, there could be things like soup kitchen kinds of days where food is either free or like really cheap um, and it can be partly sort of student run partly union funded um, and spaces for people to come together um, and there's not much of that now because it's been turned into this through kind of a way but it should be sort of um, in a sense um, protected from the rest of the uni so you feel like it, the space could facilitate discussions about how the university runs um, but amongst the students in a place that's kind of safe that's what I think yeah and uh, if I want to add on this it would be uh, actually we are uh, having some negotiations and talks uh, for having further uh, interpretation with the site and it can be a uh, design course about asking students what would you imagine and what's your utopian idea for a student complex rather than as just like Adele mentioned that some people Google and provide service for students so it it can be another part of an exhibition it can be another course uh, and I'm sure there are very um, uh, good people in terms of knowledge and expertise that they can uh, uh, provide uh, that sort of course over here but the main idea over here is that what students want and what we can come up with a better solution in my view and in many other people's view from architects to um, uh, uh, preservationists and other uh, people in the field is that this is not a good solution so knocking a building with uh, almost 60 70 years of age with all these rich history intangible and intangible heritage is not a good solution so actually it is just provoking the idea of that what can be a better solution so let's sit and talk and make a better solution for this uh, scenario rather than just erasing and making a tabula rasa and building it on it and leaving the legacy of the building with a plague do students know what they want? That's the main idea of what we want. So it's it's got to be informed, of, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's the main thing. That what if we start from here, from the scratch of uh, the education, especially in the school of architecture, that say that look, you're going to design for people, and you're going to design for many many different purposes. Why don't you start from yourself to see what would be the best solution for you? Because 
we had a very bad building in terms of function when I was doing my bachelor's and one of the things that just changed my mind about architecture was that uh, instructor came in and said that imagine what if you're going to change this area for yourself so I was roaming in my imagination about what if we had a study spot over here what if this spot changed to this function what if we had an art gallery over here what if there was some open spaces for people to sit and do other stuff over here so we can start and it's more of an educational process rather than exactly going to like master students to seeking the solution but it's creating a platform for the officials to say that look there can be better solutions and you cannot put in a master plan to demolish everything which is not out of sandstone and keep only buildings which are less than 10 years old. Young girls play hopscotch on a broken path Aging soot blackens old brick walls Old car leans at the corner Stray dog barks at grim passerby Bicycles line up at the local store Factories crumble behind rusting iron Graffiti grows on the railway bridge A worker in overalls walks on Faded but not forgotten An injury to one is an injury to all Car rattles along with broken exhaust Clouds hurry past in the driving wind Is this all there is? Ask the passerby no, said the worker, it's just a view from a wooden chair.
that was Jumping Fences with uh, a view from a wooden chair. And that song, I think, was composed in a street in West End after the Expo 88 had destroyed parts of West End. The idea was that they'd have this big glitzy exposition that would bring many people to the city, but at the expense of the poor people in West End. And there we had a simple song just trying to capture the ordinariness of life in the in West End and the uh, you know the the day-to-day kind of images that people have. You're on the paradigm shift, and we're talking about reimagining and representing the University of Queensland Student Union complex. We had a proposal in 2018 for that complex to be um, demolished, just wholesale demolished. So let's wipe away all of history and let's start again according to the, um, the University of Queensland master plan. Now I had, I, I, as part of the show preparation today, attempted to get an interview with the Vice-Chancellor of the University, Deborah Terry, and also the President of the University of Queensland Student Union, because they are what they call stakeholders. And I did get a response um, from from both, both people. And I'm just going to read out just a brief thing that the Vice-Chancellor said. Many of our projects were placed on hold due to the pandemic, the student site complex being one of them. Work on the project is starting and we will be engaging with staff and students as part of our planning. We want to ensure we invest in an inclusive space that meets the needs of students today and into the future, while acknowledging the forum's contribution to fostering debate about a range of social issues. Now, if we unpack that, originally they said, let's just wipe it all clean. They ignored the, the heritage value of the buildings. And more than that, they ignored the social aspects that the forum area brought. Um, what do you say about that, Ali? What's going on there? One of the touching moments when you were visiting our exhibition was that you found yourself in one of the pictures in one of the protests in the 70s. Yeah, it was, that's right. Yeah, that was... Um, September the 12th, 1977. Yeah, so I think there should be a bond and there must be a connection between the previous generation who had their best moments and best experiences in this university and the people who are involved in the university at the moment and give something for the future. And I don't want to say thanks to COVID, but because of the COVID, let's say, everything changed and we have to reframe our imaginations about future. I'm not a big fan of the word sustainability because what are we going to sustain? Are we going to sustain consumerism? Or are we going to just produce more uh, electricity from sustainable ways and keep on going and consuming more and more? So we shouldn't consume as we were consuming and the architectural um, model for this one must be in a way that we should go more user friendly, we should go more environmentally friendly and we should 
reimagine about the future because imagine how uh, the income of the university completely changed because of the international students due to um, international students' arrivals. And I have to say that I didn't see my family for almost 20 months and I just wanted to raise the question about how far we're going to about this situation that they are completely uh, ignoring the rights of the people that we had multiple entrance visas but right now we cannot go out actually they say you can go but you cannot come in for the students and having said that I think we have to restructure everything after this moment and after COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, that's very interesting. It's obviously dwelling on the mind of the Vice-Chancellor and her advisers in this statement because, and it seems that I got another message earlier this morning from the President of the Union and she told me that they are reconsidering this whole project and the project team is just starting up again and by April they say they'll be ready for further consultation with um, your department, your, your students, with the, um, the group that was Dr Ricketts was involved in with Saving the University of Queensland Union and highlighting the fact that it's a social space and there's got a lot of history there and you're right, I mean every time I go to uni where do I go to first? I go to where we used to hang out in the 70s. <laughs> like, you feel at home there. Yeah. <laughs> we saw wonderful films in the Chanel Theatre. We saw great plays in the yeah. cement box. Um, there are a lot. We put on our own plays. You yeah. know, we even had a, a public trial of the Premier of Queensland, Bjorki Peterson, and we got a crowd of over a thousand people came because they thought. Joe was actually going to be on trial and they thought he was actually going to be there and so old professors who hadn't been there for decades came over to see this event and there's one thing that we wanted to talk about it was music and the, how it relates to space and you have been doing what it seems to me highly experimental music in Turkey yeah first I want to get the permission of the descendants of the Aboriginal people because I played the Jiridu, I think it might sound a bit in, in abnormal, let's say, but um, I came up with Ditch in 2017 and I was watching David Hudson's videos and I didn't know anything about the black history and the brutal history of Aboriginal people over here. So my apologies that I started it before getting the permissions. But uh, as you mentioned, it was more experimental and me and my friend Sarjan Peshan started to make mini concerts in Ankara in an art gallery. It was about uh, playing Dich and Ney, which is a traditional Turkish flute and combining both histories of the landscape and the culture and the um, history of Anatolia and Aboriginal uh, lands uh, because I was doing lots of research while I was doing it and half of the um, events were about playing it together because both of the instruments are very old both of them are physically empty inside but very rich uh, in their uh, spirit. Yep. 
And uh, after that, we were having a storytelling session by Sarjan in Turkish. And also, um, I was playing ditch exactly like a tribe member and trying to imitate uh, the sounds as I could reach through my research. Yep, that's it. And uh, I'm so very this, happy. Can you can. introduce this song that we're about to play? Yeah, this sound is Adalizi. And after uh, playing the Adalizi, uh, Sarjan is singing a song that he came up uh, in a atelier, music uh, atelier of uh, Arkanur. Uh, I can give uh, details that you can share about it. He's a professional and a very yes. um, unique person uh, yep. in Turkish music. Yeah. And he what does it mean? Uh, it's a, a song from uh, Balkan area. And uh, for the meaning, I need to delve a bit more. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's so, play it and have people try to work out the meaning. Yeah. Because yeah. we're running out of time. Yeah. By the way, the second part of the song is uh, completely unknown. So it's an anonymous song sang by a girl yep. when she was a, a child uh, by her dad. So okay. he learned from that uh, music atelier. Yep. Well, this is um, Ali Rad Yusufinia uh, and his friend... Sarjan Peshan. <laughs> playing the nay and you're on ditch yeah. let's have a listen to this I'm, I'm intrigued bye everyone, see you next week
Yaz gecesi şu göklerde aynasıl parlar Uzakları aydınlatır titrek ışıklar Yıldızları görsen şimdi suyun içinde Sessiz sessiz konuşurlar sanki derinde Anlaşılmaz fısıltılar sabaha kadar Sakin sakin bunu dinler lacivert sular Doğarken Hepsi susar Hafif hafif esen rüzgar saçımı okşar Kışın burada her şey azgın deli dalgalar Yükselerek, alçalarak sahile vurur Şimdi suçlu çocuk gibi sessiz oturur Herkes memnun hayatından yaz gecesinde Kumsallarda melodi var suyun sesinde See?